Michaels, will you stand? Lord, we are just so grateful to be in your house this morning. Our anticipation is ready. Our expectations are ready. Give us your peace during this last week of Advent as we're expecting to see you at the end of the week. In Jesus' name, amen.
no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your Holy Spirit. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit.
with you. Let us pray together our collab. Purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. During the lighting of the wreath, you may be seated. We're going to be calling forward today our school teachers, so you guys don't be seated, come on up, and uh, also any current St. Michael's students. If there are any current St. Michael's Christian Academy students, you guys can come on forward, and uh, we're, we have one more prompt. If you've ever gone to St. Michael's Academy, any of our alumni, if you guys could just stand where you're at, we just want to see the people who have gone, uh, go ahead and stand up. You can stay where you're at, but... Just stand up. We want to honor our St. Michael's School. I am making the bold, but I think very justified claim that there is no more important ministry that St. Michael's has than the ministry we have to the children who have come before us, right? And so we just want to honor not just the people who are attending, but especially our teachers. And our fearless leader, uh, Deacon Phil Johnson, unfortunately is not here today, but we definitely want to recognize Deacon Phil Johnson for everything that he has done. So who would like to light the candle, Debbie? Perfect. And we've got all four today, so... <laughs> Respond uh, to the responses on the screen. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Show us your mercy, O Lord. Awesome. Give him a hand. And now if we have the children who are going to Sunday school, you guys can just stay right here and we will bless the children. That's it, huh? You, you guys, you only two going to Sunday school? going to be awesome. No, there's others going. Trust me. Let your blessing be upon their minds, Lord, as you encourage them, exhort them, and give them all that they'll need to be to be strong and mighty Christians. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first reading comes from Micah, chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks, God. God. Please stand to read the song. 
This morning's psalm is Psalm 80, beginning in verse 12, and we'll read responding by the asterisk. Why have you broken down her hedges? The boar out of the woods uproots it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see, and visit this line. And the vineyard which your right hand has planted. And the branch you strong for yourself. It is burned with fire. It is cut down. It perish and refuse your time. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand. Then we will not turn back from you. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. This morning's second lesson comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, commencing at, commencing at verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. To do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory be to you, O Lord. St. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. 
For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's open up today with a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that even as we focus on the story that is coming to us, the visitation, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your visitation in our life. That you would reveal yourself to us in the coming days and especially as we hear the celebration of your coming on Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. So, obviously, today was a bevy, I like using that word, I don't know, it's like a little word here, there was a lot of things today in the scriptures that were jumping out at me as I was looking to see what I wanted to talk about. In the Old Testament, we have what we've been hearing lately, which is the promise to Israel long before Jesus was born, that there would be a son born of the line of David who would bring peace and restore the goodness of God to the world. That's a pretty awesome message. And then in the song, we have this crying out, Israel, back then, Jerusalem had been overtaken by enemy armies, and they were crying out that, God, why have you let this happen? And the promise was made once again, God will restore the nation, the city of Israel. He'll restore his people no matter how fast it gets. And then in the New Testament, we get a challenge that says that actually what God desires from you, because he has done this great thing in restoring to us his goodness and his peace, he doesn't want you to make sacrifices. He wants your life to be lived for him. He wants everything that's in you. So keep those things in mind. God is coming. He's going to restore goodness and peace. That's what God does. He makes all things new. And this Christmas, we can go into an expectation that this is a season of restoration. Not just in the grand scope of history and we're talking about the cycles of years. No, but in your life today, look for the places that God wants to restore peace, goodness, life, and love to you this season, okay? So as we talk about this and we go into the visitation, I just want to read through this story that is really remarkable uh, and hopefully pull out some of the things that we can learn as we see Mary, the mother of God, pregnant with Jesus, going to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, uh, as she was told. Now, there needs to be a little bit of introduction to the story because we have oftentimes in the gospel, we start in the middle of something. And I know you guys have heard the story before, but I want to remind you what happened. We actually have an icon uh, in the back corner. I don't know if you've seen that one. Um, but it's stage right, I guess. Uh, my right, your left. But back there, we have an icon that actually shows Gabriel announcing the birth of Jesus to Mary. And that has just happened when we pick up the story. 
And what happens in that story is Gabriel tells this teenage virgin that she will have Jesus born to her. She says, how can this be? And he tells her, actually, that they will give them a, there's going to be a sign to Mary to hold on to. That her cousin Elizabeth, who is known to have been barren, is actually conceived and is going to have a baby. So let's get this straight. What happens is, God shows up miraculously in the person of Gabriel, his messenger angel, to tell her that he's going to do something that has never been done in the history of the world. This girl, a virgin, is going to have a baby. And she's like, what in the world am I going to do? How can I accept that this is going to happen? I mean, I'll do it. God, don't get me wrong. I will do it. Let it be unto me according to your word. But how? Right? And he said, it will happen because with God, nothing is impossible. But just so that you can know that this isn't just a hallucination or a delusion, I want to assure you by giving you this sign. Go see your cousin because she's pregnant. You know that she's supposed to be barren. She's beyond childbearing age. And yet she's conceived. And go do that because I want to point, I'm pulling this out, the structure of this, because I think that is how God operates in our life. He doesn't just tell us, go and expect us to go. He doesn't just say, jump and expect us to stay out high. He actually gives us encouragement with one another to see the work that God is doing in each other's lives. That's why we come together as a church family to worship Him, and we don't just do our little private temple worship in our own homes. We need one another, and the stories of how God is miraculously providing for one another. I know I've been encouraged in many ways in my life when I'm looking at a brick wall. It's not a real brick wall, it's a metaphorical brick wall, right? I'm looking at a brick wall, and I'm thinking, how are we going to get through this? And then somebody says, oh man, God just really showed up for me in this area of my life. I go, oh yeah, I forgot. God is for me. And He is able to move not just brick walls, but mountains on our behalf. And so the angel Gabriel gives Mary this encouragement. Go, see your cousin Elizabeth. You're going to see a confirmation that this is what God is going to do because she's going to be with child miraculously. Now, unlike some of us, Mary is like the ideal Christian, right? When we would read about Mary, it's like, come on, really? This teenage girl gets it in a way that I still struggle with? What she does is when God tells her to go see her cousin Elizabeth, she gets up and she goes, with haste. Instead of when God tells us to do something, like, hey, I want you to go and have a phone call with that person, and then you put it off until the next week, oh, I'll see them, you know, no, with haste, Mary looks to obey the word of the Lord to her. So we, that's where we enter it. Now to your introduction to the story. We're going to dive in here. Luke 1, beginning in verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So this is her cousin. She's running over there. Now, I think she was great and obedient and awesome, but I think she also was a little bit freaked out. An angel had shown up to her and said, Hey, without ever getting married, you're going to have a baby. And it's going to be not only a regular baby, it's going to be Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord of everything. He's going to be the Messiah. You guys have been waiting for him thousands of years. So I think there was obedience on her side, but I think she was also like, I need to go figure out if this is real. I need some encouragement from my cousin Elizabeth because this is scary, this moment that has come up to her. And so God got her attention. He sends her over there. And as it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I want to argue today that that might be the most shocking statement in our culture today in this whole story. What happens? The first person to weep with joy at the coming of the Messiah is an unborn baby. In a culture where it's legal to get rid of unborn babies, that's pretty shocking. That actually the babe in Elizabeth's womb is the first to leave with joy at the coming of the Messiah. That should be encouraging to each one of us. That life and light and holiness can start even before you're born. That God can, it says in the prophecy about John, fill you with the Holy Spirit before you're even born. We get to be a part of God's plan before we ever have the ability to earn it. He's not a baseball junior general manager looking for the best talent to put on his team. That's not what it is. It's not, he's not looking like, oh, are you old enough to contribute to my plan? No, 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 no. God actually is speaking to and fro, looking for hearts that are turned to him. That's all. Just turn to him and he can use you. And so it happened when the babe wakes in her womb, we see this callback to the promise that was made uh, to Zechariah. And I'm giving you some of this context because I think we do focus on the birth of Jesus and all that, but God was moving and active in the community. It wasn't just Mary and Joseph. He was preparing the way of the Lord among the families uh, of Mary and Joseph to support them as they went into this time of birthing Jesus. And I say that because we are called every Advent to prepare the way of the Lord together as a community. And so when we look at this, we see this promise that was made to Zechariah about John. So we've got the characters in this, in this story, right? We've got Mary pregnant with Jesus, Elizabeth pregnant with John, and John himself was actually prophesied to be great in the sight of the Lord. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to children and to the disobedience, the wisdom of the just, to make a ready a people prepared for the Lord. So I say all this to say, John had this great mantle of power and authority. There is no superhero more popular among the Israelites than Elijah the prophet. Because you know what? He was calling down fire. He was turning bears in his work. He was doing all sorts of cool stuff. But you know what? John never did any of that. I don't know if you guys know that. But John isn't recorded as having done a single miracle. But do you know what's more of a miracle than anything else? Turning the hearts of people to God. I tell you, you can sit with somebody, you can know them for a long time. Let me talk about this in terms of uh, parenting. And I'm not going to use my own kids, I'm going to use these. You can ask my parents, convincing somebody to stop being stubborn and turn to the Lord is one of the most difficult experiences that you can have in your life. Convincing them to give up their free will and to turn to God, that's a miracle. That's the power of Elijah that John brought in his ministry. He said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is here, and people believe it. That's the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we have in us. Not only that we can turn our own hearts to God and what he wants to do, but that we can speak to people and say, God is here, and invite them to be a part of that. 
I want to see more miracles like that. That the people who are hurting and lost and looking for the answers, that when I said, Jesus is the answer, they would say, Amen, brother. I want to be saved. That's what I want to see happen here. Because I know from my own life and from the lives of those around me that Jesus is the one who saves. So, that's all a side note on who this baby is, John. Recognize Jesus even in the womb. So let's just continue in this story. So Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit when Mary walks in the door and Jesus is coming with her, which is also really cool. I mean, Jesus is like, she's bearing Jesus, and when she walks into the room, the Holy Spirit falls. Did you know that each one of us are bearing Jesus in our hearts? When we walk into the room, we have the power to call down the Holy Spirit? I'm just filled with hope today that this is how God has always moved, and this is how He wants to move today. So, Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, recognizes something and says, Then she spoke aloud and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Remember, this is before Mary has explained that she just saw an angel. Mary hasn't told Elizabeth anything. This is God confirming to Mary that even though this sounds crazy, this is what's happening. Blessed is the fruit of your womb, but why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounds in my ears, the faith leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believes, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So that's Elizabeth's response to Mary. Now, I could imagine in this social media day and age that you, this older, once married, now you have a miraculous baby that you're telling everybody out, you're joyful about, and then Mary, this younger, prettier, better looking person, comes into your life, and she goes, oh no, I've got the Son of God, I like you. <laughs> it would be easy for Elizabeth in that moment to be jealous of what God's doing in Mary. We kind of read this like, oh, God, they're great people, they're saints, they're the Bible. No, these are just people like you and me. And when God put a special anointing on Mary, Elizabeth's response was to give out of her abundance encouragement and blessing and honor. How would it be that I should be visited by the mother of my Lord? This is a teenage girl. And Mary has come to her to be encouraged in this way because God knew the heart of Elizabeth wasn't going to lash out in jealousy, but actually would affirm her. Just a reminder of us, when God does stuff in the life of those around him, this is the right response. Blessed are you! Hallelujah! Thank God! Let's not be jealous of one another. God is a God who can give abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Just because somebody else has something doesn't mean you're not going to have what God wants for you as well. And I just want to make a note that I do think all of this story is attacking our pride subversively. Because what is envy except for pride? I deserve the best spot, not that person. And so we'll see again and again, like Elizabeth's response, why is the grand disease that the mother of the Lord is visiting? That's a humble response. And then she affirms her, and I just love this, Blessed is she who believes, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Don't you know that when God gives you a promise, there comes a test? There comes a test. Do you really believe me? I, he gives you a promise. 
I'm just going to use a material example because I think it's the easiest, but I think the author promises us things that are not material. But let's say he promised you a house. Well, maybe the next thing that happens is you get kicked out of your apartment. You never know. It just seems to happen this way where the promise of God doesn't look like it's going to be fulfilled. So what I think is happening here when Elizabeth says that is she's giving Mary the internal ammunition to fight that battle when it comes. When Joseph, her betrothed, is going to, in a couple chapters, he's going to say, hey, you're pregnant, I don't know how that happens, I think I'm going to just put you away quietly. That means like, send her, exile her to obscurity so he doesn't have to kill her. I'm not going to get into the technicalities of how the law works, but the point is, she faces a moment where her whole life feels like it's going to fall apart. Where later on, after she has this visit with Elizabeth, she has to tell Joseph, who she's engaged to, that she's pregnant with Jesus. And Joseph goes, what the heck? I'm going to put you away quietly where, you know, you can live out your days in obscurity. And in that moment, what did Mary think? Maybe she remembered what Elizabeth had said. Blessed is she who believes. And these things that God has told you will be fulfilled. And she just held on to that in her heart. That it's not all over, that God is in this. Don't ever underestimate the power that you have to encourage your brother and your sister, the people around you, and to walk in what God has called you to do. That's what I love about homers, is that you get together, you talk about what God's doing in your life, and you say, Amen, brother, I can stand with you on that. I've seen God act in this way, so I know that He will act in this way for you too. And so then we have Mary's response. And this is one more thing I'll mention about what is the power of community. Sometimes when you speak what God has told you to say, you draw out of something what God wants them to say. So we see this here. Elizabeth gives Mary this great encouragement. And then Mary prophesies and says one of the most powerful things in all of Scripture. The Magnificat. So we're going to read through this and see what Mary's saying. But I don't think that this happens by accident. I think it's because Elizabeth chose to say what God put on her heart that Mary is able to respond with this wonderful outpouring. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. I love that because first things first, Mary knows it's all about Him. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. There's also, there's two true lines here, I think. There's humility and joy. The baby leaps for joy in my room. My soul has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Blessed. It's a season of joy. And then she says, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, all, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. I love that line. For he has regarded the lowest state of his maidservant. We think what he did was he ignored her lowly state and chose her anyway. Actually, she, he chose her because of her lowly state. That actually, I don't think God's plan was to put Jesus in a palace. I think his plan was to raise Jesus in an obscure family out of the line of David, who were humble and lowly of heart. That he's actually looking out not for those people who are the most capable of accomplishing things, as we see it, but actually for those people who are lowly and humble of heart. He's looking for a broken and contrite spirit. 
right? And he found it in Mary in her lowly estate. He regarded her lowly estate. And then all generations will call me blessed. And you think, wait, hold on. This girl has got a pretty high opinion of herself. I don't know what you mean about humility, right? All generations are going to call me blessed. That's a pretty big claim. Most of us probably won't be remembered by all the generations who come after us. I can almost guarantee it. But Mary knew something. Not about her work, but about what God was doing in her. If you see the way that it's framed and her actions and her responses, it's all about what God is doing. And when you get all about what God is doing, then it doesn't matter to you to make a bold claim like all generations will call me blessed because you know that that's about God and not about you. Right? That's why elsewhere it says, may the weak say, I am strong, but the poor say, I am rich. It's when you understand God's heart for you, you can claim the favor of God in your life. And every one of you have the power today to claim the favor of God in your life because you know what? All of this is so that you could know Him and love Him forever. The fact that He brought Jesus into the world to live and die as one of us and then to be raised again is all so that He can give you His favor and to bring you into this story. The same story that we tell at Christmas time. When God moves in your life, the focus that you have on Him will yield big dreams. And that's... Let me talk about humility real quick. What does humility mean? C.S. Lewis says it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. In this case, I think it matters, but when you're dreaming with God, it's really not about yourself. It's about what He wants to do on the earth. Godly dreams are about the bringing the kingdom of God to earth. And that might mean having a huge, healthy, wonderful family. That's a godly dream. It might mean that house that God has promised you, that you're dreaming of. That house that will be a house dedicated to the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or it might mean a soup kitchen that you're going to open. It could mean anything. But when you make it about God, then He will bring that desire in you to be for Him and His will, and not for you and your will. It's really easy to dream big dreams for yourself, at least for me. I know some people may struggle with that, but I can imagine all the wonderful things that I can do in my life, and all the great places I can be. But I'd rather it be about what He wants in my life. And so I try to align my dreams with Him. And you know what? They're always better. It's always better when you align your dreams with what He's doing. The focus stays on him and the things that he has done for Mary. And then she says this phrase, holy is his name. And we can do a whole sermon or book about that, but I just want to make one comment. As I ask God, I said, God, why is it important that we know that your name is holy? And I just put in mind of uh, the names of the people that I love and care for. Like Haley, or Rowan, or Ruby, or Reese, or Dad, or Mom, or Papu, and Mamaw. When you have people in your life, their name comes to me more than just the title that you call them. I can call my dad and mom Mr. and Mrs. Harris, but it doesn't mean anything compared to dad, mom. And in the same way, but more so, God's name is holy. When you call on Jesus, when you call on God, there's way more that you're invoking in your life. And as you grow in him, and as you learn to get to know him, that name takes on a familiarity and a 
so that even just saying the name of Jesus can bring peace in your situation because his name is holy. And she continues, His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. So as we're going down here, I know that in the Magnificat, as beautiful of a hymn and God as it is, I also read it as a challenge because every line seems to call out something that I struggle with. Do I really honor God's name very often? Do I really uh, look to submit all of my dreams to Him? Do I really... Think about my state, my state as a place of favor by God. And this one more than any other. And it's mercy on those who fear Him from generation to generation. I want God's mercy in my life. So how do you fear God? Well, I think one of the keys to that is that what you fear reveals what you worship. Do you worship money? It's probably because you're afraid of the power of money and the fact that if you lose it you're going to be in a bad space. Do you worship success? Probably because you're afraid of failure. Do you worship security and safety? It's because you're afraid of what you might lose. All throughout the Bible we're told to not worship idols but instead to worship God. So do you worship God? Then your fear of a lack of Him, your fear and awe approaching Him will consume all of your other fears. I don't 100% get it. As I've said before, I think it's something we have to work out over the course of our life, getting to know Him. But there's something about the idea that, you know what? You shouldn't fear Him who can destroy the body, but Him who can destroy the body and the soul. When you have your priorities right, I don't have to be afraid of money, because I'm more afraid of God than I am of losing all that money. What, what I mean by that is that I am so aware of the power of God that all my other fears are pointless. Now, I obviously don't walk around with zero fears in my life. I have not come to that perfect place where I just know God is good and I never get upset when something doesn't go my way. That is just not the way it is. So this is the point of the fear of the Lord is it's something you do work out in relationship with Him. You start to see how good God is. And when you get rid of all these other fears, fears related to money, success, security, relationships, when you get rid of all those other fears and you submit them to God and say, God, look, you're the one who's in control. I trust you. That brings the mercy of God in your life. That posture, that openness. Because you know what we do when we hang on to our fears? We tell God, wait, hold on, I got this. Metaphor. I'm going to go out and I'm going to work 80 hours so that I never have to worry about money. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make my house the safest place in the world so that I never have to worry about safety and security. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this course on this podcast that's going to make me the most successful in my line of work because then I will establish myself on the earth. No, no, no. The Lord establishes us. The Lord is our safety and security. The Lord is our provision. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Okay, let's keep going here. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. And he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. I just want to mention here, I love that phrase. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. I love that phrase, but I also can find ways where I identify with that phrase. There are times when I get into pride 
mind that I have this great imagination for this thing I'm going to do, or this thing I'm going to buy, or this whatever it is, and then it just crumbles. God scatters the proud of the imagination of their hearts. That's real. You need to recognize when God does that to you, because humility is way better than pride. Than pride. There's one person consistently throughout all of Scripture that God resists, and it's the proud. Even as a Christian, God will resist you in your pride. And I don't want to be putting pit myself against God. But there's also hope here. Because that means that all those people who are proudly doing things that concern us. I can speak more lately. All those people, politicians, corporate leaders, university teachers, all those people who are in power, Hollywood, etc., who are preaching a gospel that is anti-Christ, that is against the mercy and goodness of Christ, all that is going to be scattered by God. The pride and imagination of their hearts will be scattered. So there's also a hope. Don't ever forget that this verse can talk to our own hearts and our own pride, but also remember that those people who seem like, how can we ever overcome them? They're oppressing us or they're doing these things that are leading people astray. God promises He will scatter them. And He'll exalt the lowly. So be lowly. And you'll be exalted. It's interesting to note that Mary may be the best example of Him exalting the lowly in all of Scripture. A teenage, Middle Eastern Jewish girl from the first century AD who has no access to power, influence, money, nothing. And yet God used her to be the most insulted woman in the history of mankind. That's pretty amazing. What do you think he can do with you? He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away in if Adam is about one thing, it's about being hungry for the purposes of God and not being the person who is full of everything else. We are the rich. The rich that he sent away empty, we represent the rich. We never have to miss a meal. If you, if you have a moment where you need to miss a meal, you just call me. I will help you figure it out. We are so blessed and we have such an abundance in America. We have ministries like our food pantry that hands out Hundreds of bags of groceries every Monday. We have all these opportunities so that we don't have to experience hunger. And that's just not physical. That's also emotional. If you want, you can numb yourself to death. Watching TV, listening to great music, playing video games, going to bars, whatever you want to do. It's all laid before you in America. You can do whatever you want. But know you're going to pay a price. Because if you're hungry for the things that are not God, then they will enslave you. That's the ultimate truth. Because we can see it, it's really clearly articulated when we look at addiction, right? They're hungry for that thing, they're chasing the dragon, as they said. And that hunger ends up consuming all that they are. But when you're hungry for God, what does He do? He raises up the lowly, He takes down the proud, He puts the the fatherless and families. He cares for the widow and the orphan. He provides for his people. When you're hungry for God, everything else in your life aligns properly. My love for my wife is partially the result of my love for God. It flows out of my love for God. My love for my children flows out of my hunger for the things of God in my life. Every other hunger twists the true goodness of God for our lives. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, so be hungry, and he will fill you. He has helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, Abraham, and his seed forever. And this is the conclusion of her prayer that beautifully weaves in her story with the history of God's interaction with mankind. This is the story of what happened. God created the earth good. We turned from him, and ever since then, he has been chasing us, asking us to be in relationship with him, that he might make us good again. That's the story we're a part of. That's the Christmas story. We turn away, and he never, ever, ever gives up on turning us back to him, so that he might make our lives good and full and joyful. And not just so that you can enjoy a good, full, and joyful life, but so that your family can enjoy a good, and full, and joyful life. So that you can bring heaven to earth in your community. Amen? So this season, remember what God has done. You're part of the Christmas story. Enter into it fully. No one is more excited for the joy of Christmas morning than God. So be overjoyed this season. No one has given more for Christmas than God. So be generous this season. And no one wants to be with us more than God this Christmas season. Be present with Him and with one another this season. Amen? Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us mandated for our salvation, came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory, to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, since the Lord is very near, let us confidently approach him with our needs and those of the whole world. For the church, that she will remain faithful to God's call to make disciples of all nations. Lord, in your mercy, for the nations, that they will raise up leaders who will know and do God's will. Lord, in your mercy, for those seduced by materialism and greed, that they will have their minds renewed and their lives characterized by generosity and goodwill. Lord, in your mercy, for those who are preparing to give birth, that they will see the child as a gift from God. Lord, in your mercy, 
for those who are planning to travel to visit family and friends, that they will reach their destination safely and enjoy their time together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who suffer from loneliness, fear, and depression, that they will experience the love and peace that only God can give them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those who have lost loved ones, that they will be reminded of God's promise to restore all things at the return of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, you always faithful to your promises. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to be faithful to your leading. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn, greet your neighbor with the peace of God. What a great verse, man. You are hot to So we're there. The candles tell me that. That's a, that was just a uh, amazing word, and I have to comment on it. What a great word you had this morning. Amen. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I'm Eric. For those of you who don't know, I'm just uh, I got a couple announcements for you. Um, we've got our Christmas caroling today. We're going to go around the neighborhood and sing to our neighbors. So those of you who want to participate, it's at 4 o'clock this afternoon. I think uh, Jesse and some of the choir will be leading us. So for those of you who are interested in that, please, please come. Uh, Christmas Eve is Friday night at 10 p.m. here. We have our uh, carols, lessons and carols service. So please join us. It's a great service. I love coming. I bring my kids in their pajamas. And they sleep on the pews, and we just get ready for Christmas. So please come and come and see us that there. And last but not least, bring some poinsettias to decorate the uh, the altar for the Christmas season, which actually oh yeah, Christmas. that's right. <laughs> so bring a poinsettia, in and uh, it'll be beautiful in front of the altar, won't they? Amen. Amen. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him more. So, come. You who have much faith, you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who failed, you come because it's the Lord who invites you. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here, come to his table. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. For when he humbled himself to come among us in human flesh, he fulfilled the plan you formed before the foundation of the world to open for us the way of salvation. Confident that your promise will be fulfilled, we now watch for the day when Christ our Lord will come again in glory. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and we join in their unending hymn of praise. Spirit, come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, took bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup again. He gave thanks and praise. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died, but Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. 
May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love, together with our patriarch, Craig, all of our bishops, and all of our clergy. Remember especially those who were sick and infirm this day in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena and Naomi and Sonja, Sandra and Karen and Tammy and Maria, Denisha, Mike, the McManus family, Matthew, Gene Lilly and his family, the Marines and the sailors, and all those who serve in the armed forces. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us. All make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, the martyrs, and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our, our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
Nothing standing in the way, just me before. 
every year we have the opportunity and practice of handing out boxes of food uh, to our neighborhood to the less fortunate and uh, Phil goes and gets those uh, which he did this morning uh, otherwise we'd beat him for not being here but <laughs> how can you come in halfway through church well that's why he was out on the the Lord's errand and so if you if you know a family like that pick up a box and uh, tomorrow on Mondays we hand out food to a lot of people and I'm sure we'll be handing out boxes there too what a blessing it is that God has blessed us to a place where we have that opportunity to reach out and touch other people's lives it's such a wonderful time of the year Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you've graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and signals of heart. Through Christ our Lord. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God is in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against him. God loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. Never leave us. Never forsake us. The blessings, God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. In name of you always. Amen. I thirst for you.